This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. Well, how do you manage a global nonprofit organization during a pandemic in such a way that not only do you maintain your current programs, but actually grow and scale many of those same programs? Well, my guest today will share how his organization has done just that. Smile Train. Smile Train is a global nonprofit that is dedicated to empowering local medical professionals with training, funding, and resources in order to provide free cleft surgery and comprehensive cleft care to children. Now, for over 20 years, Smile Train has supported safe and quality cleft care for more than 1.5 million children globally. Well, my guest today is Dr. Hopper. Now, Dr. Hopper is the surgical director of the Cranial Facial Center at Seattle Children's Hospital, and he was recently selected to serve on Smile Train's medical advisory board. And he's going to talk about how Smile Train's unique program model that utilizes local medical professionals really helps them scale their programs quickly and efficiently. And Dr. Hopper will also share how Smile Train's clear mission and stellar organizational reputation has helped them to expand their services to 87 countries. Enjoy today's show. Well, Dr. Hopper, I really appreciate you being on the show today. I'm excited to introduce the Smile Train organization to my listeners. You know, it's a quick overview. A Smile Train's sustainable model empowers local medical professionals with training and with funding and resources in order to provide free cleft surgery and comprehensive cleft care to children globally. In fact, for over 20 years now, the Smile Train has been supporting safe and quality cleft care for more than 1.5 million globally. That's incredible to have 1.5 million children that you've already impacted. So I'm really glad to have you on the show. And I want my listeners to check out more about this organization because I've been very impressed with this. So Dr. Hopper, maybe um, talk about your role at Smile Train. How long have you worked with them? And what has stood out as the most surprising aspect of your work so far? Well, thanks, Rob, first of all, for this this kind invitation. I really uh, um, enjoyed being able to join your podcast today. Uh, so my name is Richard Hopper. I've been a member of uh, Smile Train now for four years as a member of the Global Medical Advisory Board, which is the, the medical uh, board that uh, provides clinically clinical advice to, to Smile Train as it relates to safety and quality. Been that since 2017. I had to look to figure out uh, how long it's been. The four years have flown by. It's been very exciting and very engaging, and I'm looking forward to, to more years to, to come. Most surprising thing, I would say the most surprising thing um, that I've learned over the past five or uh, four years has been the, the degree of global engagement that Smile Train has been able to generate. Every, every person that I interact with across the, the, the world that as it relates to Smile Train is just always on the same page, always with the same mission, always ready to move forward. It's really is a positive global experience. Now, I'm really glad to hear that. It's always good to know that there's been a positive experience for any staff member on a nonprofit organization. And now one of the strengths of Smile Train has been how you as an entity have been able to scale your outreach and reach so many kids. And a big part of that, as I understand it anyway, has been your sustainable model of empowering local medical professionals to provide these surgeries. So talk about your model a bit and why has it been so successful in your opinion? 
Yeah, what attracted me to Smile Train when they approached me to join the, the global MAB was that it really wasn't a mission delivery model. I, I hadn't been a part of that in the past, but my passion before joining Smile Train um, was partnering with local providers. But to be able to do that on the scale that Smile Train did, it was just incredibly attractive. So I, I accepted their offer. So, it's, but it is more than just this, uh, you know, this concept of uh, teaching a person to fish, you know, as opposed to you know selling them the fish or or providing the fish. It it really is how to be able to make that comprehensive and make it a continuous pursuit of quality and improvement. So it's not just creating a sustainable model that is is stuck in one rut. Smile Train is constantly changing, constantly evolving, and that's uh, that's exhilarating. And and it's exhilarating for everyone, not just people on the global MAB, but right down to the to the local provider. And that's why I think it is sustainable because everybody's just sharing in that energy. That's so great to hear. And I think, you know, as you train these localized leaders, and it's been certainly a critical aspect of your success, how do you go about selecting local leaders? And what does that training entail? And the reason I'm asking this question is because I believe that, you know, as nonprofit leaders are listening, whether they extend their outreach globally, or if they're just locally doing something in their city, community, or state, there's something about your model that really does resonate well in that you're investing in local leadership and therefore you can scale, you can reach so many more people. So talk about maybe the mechanics of that. How do you select them? How do you train them? And what are maybe some of the things you've learned along the way? Yeah, I have to give the, the credit to Suzanne Schaefer, our, our CEO um, and her director group for the, the selection, because that they're really the ones that are inviting people and and um, supporting them and then, and then creating change when change needs to take place. And I think that's the critical piece is uh, nothing, nothing um, is stayed or kind of moldy hit at Smile Train. It's always, it's always improving. So uh, first of all, it is reputation. So they, they have presence around the world at conferences and congresses. They see the people that are you know, international and national leaders and, and they will you know, take interest in them and approach them and get to, get to know them. But like any any nonprofit leader knows, if you just purely base your leadership team on reputation, you may get people that are either you know overextended or really not fully engaged or maybe just surprising in how little they they can provide the organization. So if that starts to happen, there will be change, and and so people have come uh, and gone on the global uh, medical advisory board, and it keeps it exciting. So it's a combination of reputation. But it really is based on ability and engagement. It is a that Confucianism kind of system based on ability. Well, excellent. You know, and related to this, this podcast is dedicated to nonprofit leaders. And a key part to growing any nonprofit is recruiting, training, and retaining, of course, good staff, first of all, but also good volunteers. Sounds like you've done that really well. Obviously, you've been with them for four years and you love it. What about Smile Train has uh, been able to keep people like yourself engaged, feeling well-trained, feeling well-equipped? And obviously, you're doing that with local leaders, too, throughout the world. So talk about that a little bit about internally with your staff and your volunteers. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've thought of that. And I, I really think that Smile Train rests on the core foundations of any good, solid business. So, you know, you were talking about a nonprofit here. So it's not, it's, but it's, it's the same mechanism that really makes a profitable business successful. And that is a very clear mission that everyone believes in, um, values that people share, and you know, engagement. And so Smile Train's mission is clear. It's it's nobody questions it. it it's it's safe, affordable, and comprehensive care to these kids that again have a deformity that is visual but is incredibly functional. People have to remember that. So so you, you straight there, you have people that want to make a difference. And then the values that Smile Train has comes right from the leadership. So 
anytime I'm on a on a you know board meeting with uh, senior leaders, I feel that flexibility, the innovation, the sensitivity, the empathy, which everyone throughout the organization feels. So it, it really it's it's not just lip service to those two things, missions and and mission statement, value and vision. But uh, that really is what the strength of Smile Train. The vision is also clear. We're we're going to keep on doing things better every single year. We'll be right back. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, I want to make sure you're aware of a whole group of other episodes with fascinating guests that I previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. There you'll find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country and even from different countries, all trying to make their world better. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. Now, finally, if you want to get my monthly email update that contains more resources in addition to these episodes, it's really easy. Just go to my website at nonprofitleadershippodcast.org and simply type your email address in the top right-hand box, and you'll be added to our monthly email update. And this way, you'll never miss any of the interviews or extra content from this show. And if you have any questions or comments, do not hesitate to email me. Thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. I really like hearing that. And I want to kind of build off of that because of your role and what you do here. I often ask my guests about the nonprofit sector specifically, and and is there something unique about it? And as I think about Smile Train, the fact that they are a nonprofit organization, but of course they work with government entities, they work with the for-profit world, uh, certainly hospitals and experts and various uh, medical practices and whatnot. How do you feel like Smile Train has carved out their niche as a nonprofit where people like government agencies and other doctors and for-profit hospitals, for example, want to work with them? Is it because of their expertise or is it, you mentioned the mission so clear? Why do you think they've really been able to, as a nonprofit specifically, been able to do so much good and build so many networks so that they can actually reach so many more kids? Uh, reputation. So um, it, it, once you have a global reputation, which again has taken 20 years to build, but once you have that and you maintain it, that gets you to the table. But I think once they're um, at the table with the government entities, the university and the hospital entities, it's understanding the business that the person on the other side of the table is running. They always craft it from the context of understanding a, you know, like for example, Kumfanochi Hospital in in Kumasi. You know, when they'll will meet they meet with their um, CEO and they will understand that CEO's challenges, limitations, opportunities, and priorities. So again, it's that um, shared understanding, I think is critical. Well said. And you know, a question for you, this is maybe a little beyond the scope of just what you do in your role, but do you think the fact that Smile Train is a nonprofit, is there any advantage that they have not, say, moved to becoming a for-profit or even just said, you know, we're going to disband and we're just going to give all this to the government? Is there something unique about the fact that they're a nonprofit? Do you think that actually enhances their ability to do what they do? Yeah, there'd be, there's no doubt that Smile Train has the the expertise and the structure to become incredibly profitable. Uh, it is just so against our missions, our values, our our vision that I don't we wouldn't be able to survive. It's it's like asking somebody to completely change who they are. So I, I think that that's why that'll never ever happen. The reason I don't think it would be helpful is that you know the the, the shareholders of Smile Train 
are donors. You know, there are people putting in five dollars here, ten dollars here. There's definitely corporations putting in, you know, larger sums, but it, it is people that need to know that their money is being put to good use. And so that's why we're successful as a nonprofit is that the people that are donating their money know that we're using the money wisely and safely and effectively. So yeah, I I think it's just it's a very, very sustainable model. And I don't think we're going to change it because it's not um, it, it's really hard to improve. That's uh, great. Good ringing endorsement again for Smile Train and and how they've done their business. Okay, so leadership. It's a lot of what we talk about on this podcast. What have been some of your biggest leadership challenges when it comes to expanding the reach of your services to more communities? And how have you overcome them? Or how has Smile Train overcome them as a corporation slash nonprofit? Yeah. So as, as one of the members of the Global Medical Advisory Board, I, you know, I have, we, we get put on different tasks. And I, I would say that there's actually two that were challenging that come to mind. One was how to get a global consensus of the age that a certain surgery would take place. So there's something called a cleft palate surgery, which is repairing the roof of the mouth of a child so that they can speak, um, which obviously communication is critical. Uh, but what we found from our data is that, and again, SmileTrain is constantly collecting data, constantly checking quality, that if, if the surgery was done less than six months of age, the risk of a complication was significantly higher. So we see the data, but then how do you get a global consensus? So some organizations may say, look, we're just going to draw the line as of tomorrow. Every surgery has to be done after the age of six months. Smile Train didn't do that. They got um, Larry Allier, the uh, the chairman of the Global Medical Advisory Board. <laughs> they got Dr. Allier, the chairman of the uh, Medical Advisory Board, and myself to meet with each and every leader of the local medical advisory council. So Smile Train has these local MACs in India and Philippines and uh, Latin America. And we took our time hearing their challenges. What would be the pushback from their surgeons as to doing the surgery at a, at a, a later age? And slowly by slowly, we got a group consensus. And once we had it, then we could again say, okay, as of tomorrow, it's going to change. And we got no pushback. It was amazing how quickly that happened though. That all that took place, that whole process took place within six weeks with the, um, with the coordination that smile train was able to offer. No, oh, well done. Glad to hear that. Well, okay. COVID obviously it's impacted all of us, but I think particularly you are particularly vulnerable, if you will, to the COVID impact because you're a healthcare organization and you're globally focused. And so talk about the impact that COVID has had and how have you worked through that? And what is it looking like for you, say over the next six months or even year in terms of being able to expand or even maybe possibly retract because of COVID? Yeah. Yeah. And again, that shows the strength of a, of a nonprofit. So I, I remember vividly, you know, when COVID really, really hit and, be, and it was clear that it was going to be a worldwide pandemic. And, and Smile Train didn't start pushing its business forward and saying, look, we got to keep on doing the number of claps. We got to show our volumes. They knew their donors were going to understand that we needed to not pause our business, but change our business. And so there was a complete um, shift in, in our priorities. Our priorities were then to provide Purell, masks, oxygen, all the critical things that you know, a hospital facing a COVID crisis was going to need. And the cleft repairs were secondary. We had to accept that, that even though our mission was cleft repair, we had to say our mission had to change. So it did. And we were nervous that that was going to have a big impact, a negative impact on, uh, on the you know, funds flow and the, and the viability of the organization. It had the complete opposite effect. Um, there was increased engagement, increased support, the rebound of the numbers once it was safe to do so was, was uh, incredible. And it really showed the resilience of the system. So yeah, you do have to change when things like COVID happen, but 
if you follow your values, the rebound can be remarkable and you're stronger than you were before it happened. I'm really glad to hear that. We've talked a lot about holding to your values and, and avoiding mission drift, which sounds like both of you, you did hold your values, but you did have to shift your mission because of the pandemic, of course. Did you, and this gets into a little bit of a brass tax question, but I think it's important my listeners like hearing these things. So, okay, as you did that, my guess is maybe not everyone was okay with that. Like, the, the, you know, whether it be a donor, a board member, and or a staff member, could you talk about that? Not names, of course, but talk about, did you have some disgruntled staff or donors or board members that said, you know what, if you're going to shift gears, then I'm out because I'm in this organization. I support it because of what you do with cleft surgery. Was there any pushback like that? Or was it pretty much everyone was on board with your shifts to address the pandemic? Everybody was on board, but I think it was because it was done in a very thoughtful way. So uh, there was never a pushback at the board level or or chair levels. Or that, that was, that was everybody's in lockstep. This was a priority to keep everybody safe, including patients and, and providers. But um, our concern was obviously there were local providers that we empower on a day-to-day basis not only to, to care for the patients, but that creates a funds flow that they are required to be able to do that. That would We were effectively stopping that. So we didn't want to stop the delivery of care and stop the funds at the same time. So the funds still flowed. So the, the, the providers were still supported. So it was seamless to them. So I think that was important that when you do shift your mission, that you don't create a casualty that you can't recover from. And so Smile Train invested, continued to invest in the providers, but then just the mission shift was at the patient level. So I think that, yeah, you're right. That's very important to, to recognize. Now, that's a big difference, and I appreciate you just making that distinction. Okay, now, as you look at the rest of this year and into next year, what is your strategic plan in terms of growing and reaching more children for these life-changing surgeries? And how has COVID perhaps changed some of that in the meantime? Yeah, COVID hasn't changed anything except that it can't travel as freely. We're, we're, we're starting to do it now, but we used to be very, be very much at all levels, right up to, you know, Suzanne's level, you know, boots on the ground, you know, visiting the, the areas where care is, is delivered to really understand our business. So that's more challenging and there's no doubt. So a lot more virtual meetings. That being said, it's not changing our progress and it's not shaking our vision. This past year has actually been I've seen more change, more innovation, more exciting initiatives just because it's a continuation of this logarithmic growth and, and change that SmileTrain is going through. So the, um, the clinical leadership centers um, have, been, have been remarkable in terms of concept and, and early implementation. And that's just one of many. The, the, um, we were at the uh, UNN Council recently talking about our nutritional support for early infant feeding, uh, oral health through uh, partnership with uh, industry sponsors. So yeah, COVID hasn't slowed the smile train down. It's actually, we're speeding up and continuing to speed up. We've just had to change how we interact. Well, well done. I mean, again, that's a good sign of a well-run organization. If you're moving forward and actually growing in momentum uh, after a major worldwide pandemic, impressive. Well done. As you think about your biggest needs as an organization, again, smile trains needs, what are the biggest needs as you look into the future, even say the next year or two? Yeah, well, our model for the past 20 years has been empowering a local provider, taking care of a patient. That's really the crux of our, our point of our sphere. You know, that's, that's, what we, that's what we do. And that's what we're going to continue to do because it's been so successful. But it's always been empowering things at the local level. It's been empowering a provider or we grew into empowering a hospital. Now we have to start to empower regions. Uh, because uh, there's there's a thousand hospitals across the globe that Smile Train supports and works with across seventy countries. That's a that's a massive scale, 
Um, so you can't just have that run out of uh, an office in New York. You know, you need to have uh, centers of excellence um, within the regions. And that's that's where the CLC in, uh, initiative, the uh, Clinical Leadership Centers Initiative, is critical because it will create a tiered level of leadership, of support at educational, clinical, and safety levels that will allow us to continue to scale. So we're now able to scale into more hospitals, more providers, more patients with that model. Well, again, this has been a fascinating conversation. I think for my listeners, you're going to definitely want to check out Smile Train. So Dr. Hopper, how can they find out more about you personally? Yeah, and then also find out more about the organization Smile Train. Well, forget about knowing more about me. You can always Google seattlechildrens.org. But, um, <laughs> to learn more about Smile Train, uh, it's just the, you know, the at Smile Train for the Facebook, you know, Twitter, Instagram. For any you know, techie or gamers on, on your, uh, your audience, www.cleftsim.org is access to a very fascinating simulation tool for cleft power repair and lip repair. So if you're interested in learning more, you can just get on and actually kind of practice doing one yourself. And then, of course, big media presence right now. You'll be able to just Google Smile Train. But um, no, thanks for your interest, Rob. This has been a fantastic chance to chat. Yeah. Well, thanks again for all you're doing. It's obvious you're making a huge difference in literally millions of kids' lives. So thanks for all you're doing. Keep up the great work. And thanks for taking time to be on the show. Hey friends, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on both iTunes and Spotify. If you're wondering how to find it, just type in the words Nonprofit Leadership Podcast and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast and your feedback will help expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as possible. You can also find other resources and interviews of past guests on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Again, that website is non nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.